Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Pastor Greg's lesson today is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, titled, Example Yourself, Part 2. We're going to continue our journey that we started last week in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you have your Bible and you'd like to turn, we're going to look at just a couple of verses right there. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, we're going to recap what, what took place last week as it, it all kind of runs forward um, from that. We, we learn in First Timothy that we're to be examples to both the believers in the church and those who are not believers, those who are outside the church, which means we're supposed to be examples to everyone. And in, in recap, we're examples to everyone First of all, if we're believers, you have to be a believer first. I mean, you can do the right stuff and be a good example and, and do, do nice things, but we're talking about the spiritual example to other people. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, as we recap a little bit of what we said last week, it says this. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. And then in verse 15, be diligent in these matters so that everyone may see your progress. Believers, non-believers, other places in the Scripture, it says we are light to the world. Jesus said that himself. So we are an example of light and influence to people both inside the church and outside the church by the way we grow, by the way we make progress. And uh, you've heard it said probably before that, you know, uh, pastors live in a fishbowl. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's like, oh, I want to be a pastor because you live in a fishbowl. Well, guess what? You got your own little fishbowl thing going on. You don't get out of it just because you're not a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or whatever. Everybody's called to be an example, a light to the world, as Jesus said. And, uh, and last week, we focused on that one of the words there. It said, set an example for the believers in speech. So the things that come out of our mouth, and I want us to recap those very quickly before we move on to the second one, which is life. If you remember from last week, we had three major categories of speech, and that is the words that you use, the content of your conversation, and the tone in which you, um, you express those things. And then there's some scriptural tests that we walked through last week. There's the hintless test. The Bible says there shouldn't even be a hint of these things in your speech. It says... It should pass your life and your speech should pass a little kid test. You shouldn't say anything that causes them wayward or it's better off to have a giant stone hung around your neck and get chunked into the sea. Uh, there's the whisper words test. Whatever's done in darkness will come to light. And if we have to whisper stuff, we probably don't need to be saying those things. There's the only test. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, speak only those things that build up and not tear down. There's the tone test in Titus. It says, let your, uh, be gentle and polite to all people as much as possible with you. And another passage, live at peace with people so that your tone is as gentle as you can be. And then lastly, we, we sang as our invitation hymn, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, and there's the acceptable to God test. We struggle and wrestle with those things. There's not a list of words. There's not a list of phrases, but there's a, a guiding principles of the Scriptures that narrow our speech over time. And so that's last week we need to set an example in the way we talk and the things that we say. And then the second is a little more uh, broad. We need to set an example for believers in life. 
Well, that's pretty broad, isn't it? Life. Kind of like everything you do, everything you say, everything you think, think, every part about you needs to be an example of how to live your life. I don't know that it's all that popular anymore, but there was a time when I saw a lot of, lot of t-shirts and they had a subject matter on them and then it said, this subject matter is life. Ever see those? Um, and you could insert your hobby there, the hobby you never got over. Do you have one of those? I had a lot of hobbies as a kid, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect wheat penny coins. And when I'm older, they're going to be worth lots of money. Well, I'm older. Yeah, it was a fun hobby as a kid with my first paper route, but it did not pan out nor be a lifetime thing other than they're under the bed somewhere. Wheat pennies are a thing, all right? They're cool, but, you know, I kind of outgrew that. You outgrew a bunch of stuff, right? You did, but, but you probably have something that's, you know, that, that, that floats your boat. And so, you know, last week's sermon was about speech, and so here's the first one I found. Was speech is life, the rest is just grace period. I don't even know what that means. I, I think it's okay to put up there. But it's like, the main thing I want to do is to do speeches, write speeches, stand on a stage, and almost all of you don't want that, right? The, the number one fear is that have to speak in public, you know, and right below that is dying. Most people would rather die than stand on a stage and do something. And so, for, but for some people, hey, that floats their boats, and they can say, speech is life to me, or some of you might relate more with this one. Fishing is life. Yeah, he's got a big smile on this side over here, right? You know, things that float your boat, things that make you come alive. Or you can insert your favorite sport, you know, volleyball, baseball, world champion Astros. Stayed up and watched the game. Yep, yeah, I was into that. That was good. You know what time the Dallas Cowboys play today? What? They have a bias, right? If you if you if you're if you're if you you know, right? If you're a fan, you know that. Everybody else is like, what time? We don't know. Because these they don't play this week. They're on a bye week. But you find this area to, to bring you this vibrancy. And just talking about some of these things gets excitement. Not as exciting as this one. And you may not know what this means, but as a kite border, if it the wind's blowing, I'm going. I'm going to be out there if I can. If I can, if I can, I don't, I don't negate meetings and my responsibilities. But I carve my window. I push it aside so I can go out there and I can fly my kite and I can do my thing. Because just talking about it gets me a little excited, a little, little goosebumpy. It's a good thing. All right, amen, amen. From a wind, fellow wind sport person down here, life begins at 15 knots, which is how many miles an hour, Joe? Joe, how many, how many miles an hour is 15 knots? Is that like 18 or something like that? 18 miles an hour. That's 17 is my magic number. So. Anyway, you find things that, that bring you life. You say, man, I'm excited about this. I am excited about this. And so here we are in speech and in life, the things that bring us life. The Greek word for this, and I can't pronounce it. I didn't, I didn't practice enough. But it says this, that this thing in my life that we need to be an example is, is a life, and the definition of it is to, to busy oneself. It's the thing I do. All right, this is life to me. It's where I abide. It's I spend my time. I park there. I spend moments there in life, the thing that floats my boat the best. It's behavior. It's the things I have conversations about. You want to talk about my favorite things? Kim will tell you I, I won't shut up. It's like, you know, some of them she just glazes over because I like te technical, amen. 
I like technical and super weird and stuff that's going on in your voice. I like all this stuff. And she's like, okay, that's nice. And what do you want for dinner? But the things we have conversations about, we're excited about. The things that are being used, we're being, we're being using up our time and our, our energy for that. And it's, and it's also the thing that we have our identity with. And so Timothy tells Paul, we need to set an example for the world and for other Christians about what life should look like. Here in the church, we all have different, different things, and we could float a whole bunch more T-shirts up there, and you could probably you know, add your own, and we, and we say, man, these are the things that, that make me excited. Hopefully, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that's the number one thing, that, that of course God should be the number one thing, but things that make you interesting, things that make you you, are going to be different from other people. We all have different gifts and we serve in different ways. But that's what makes the church interesting is that God uses all of that to be an example to multitudes of people in the community. So in John chapter 10.10, Jesus weighs in on this business of life. It's a different Greek word than it was in the other passage, but he talks about life and he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the world and Satan would do for your life. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says they can have it abundantly, like lots and lots and lots of it. Jesus says he wants us to have life to the full. That is why he came. Uh, you can't have life to the full if you, aren't, if you don't know him in salvation. That's step one. But step two is we spend time with him, we learn his ways, and our lives become full. They can become, another word might be saturated Something that's saturated, it just, you pick it up and it drips and it oozes out what's inside of it. A fullness about you and enough to share. You're full. You're not just got a little bit of goodness. It's like, well, I better hold on to it. You got it running over. And Jesus didn't just come to make us alive. He did that because he said we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but we are made alive in Christ. So he brought us to life. But more than being just alive and going to heaven, he wants us to be vitalized, animated, energetic about our lives. So if we have these two people, one's in a coma and they're, they, they're, on, and they're on an IV in the hospital, and another guy's getting ready to jump out of a plane with the parachute on, they're both alive. But I guarantee you there's a different level of vitality and excitement in both of those. And those are two extremes, and I don't, I've, I've chosen not to jump out of airplanes, as uh, probably most of you have also, but I can't imagine the rush that would be with that. So somewhere between there, Jesus wants you to be full of life about the things that are important. Not necessarily your hobbies and those things, that's, that's all fine and good, nothing wrong with that, but he wants you to be vibrant and excited about his things. He didn't come... To fix all your circumstances. He didn't come to fix all your problems, although he's in the process of, of, of working things for your good. We sang about that. But he is here to give you abundant and full life. So how do we get this abundant life? Well, it's, it's kind of like cereal boxes. When you walk down the aisle at, at, the, at, the, at the grocery store, if you walk down the cereal aisle, I don't, don't go down that aisle very much because there's a lot of temptation there that I don't need. Uh, but 
the cereal boxes have little labels on there to try to draw you into what they got going on, right? So if you're a little kid, what are they using? They're using cartoons. They're using your favorite character. You grow up loving like the guy, the guy with the patch on his eye and the blue hat, and he sails on the ocean sea of, of, of milk, and you go like, oh, that's great. I want that. I want that. Well, your life is a cereal box where people come, down, come by and see your life, and, and if it has certain good things in there, certain additives, like in the cereal aisle, good, they put stuff like vitamin, has vitamin D, has vitamin E, has niacin, has whole wheat. And he's going, oh, well, that's, I want some of that because it's got these extra good things. Well, your life and my life is that same way. It's like we add the things of God to it, and it becomes more and more exciting to people of the world who are missing those ingredients. And then there's also the other side. Some of them have words on there that say contains no gluten, you know, or can, doesn't, doesn't have any saturated fats. And So you're looking at those things, and you're saying, man, that's what I want. As you add the right things and, and delete the wrong things in your life, what happens is you become more and more uh, of an example to those around you. So the thief comes to kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give you this life. So we add the good things of Jesus, and then we negate, or we start chopping away things that, 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 are, that do not, uh, they're not good for us, they don't honor God, and therefore they are a bad example to both the world and fellow believers. And among them, probably the ones that are, uh, aside from just <clears throat> ungodly, breaking the Ten Commandments, vile-type behavior, are, are stress and worry. And Jesus teaches us over and over again not to add worry to our lives, but to push the worry away by replacing it in, with faith in Him. And Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 says it this way. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what will we wear? The needs of life, the basic necessities. Verse 32, for the pagans, they run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows. God knows what you need more than you do. And you need way less than what you probably think you need. Self-included. Just very few things can we can walk in joy and happiness. God knows what you need. And He's going to provide. But seek first the kingdom of God. Keep adding the things of God to your life. His righteousness, do what's right. And these things will be given to you. He will provide everything you need if... We walk with Him. So your father knows. Your earthly father might have been great. He might not have been so good, but he didn't know everything. He tried to provide for your needs, but God knows, and He wants to sit down with you, and He wants to spend time with you, and He wants to be the main example for you. So He knows about your needs, but He also knows about your circumstances. He knows the circumstances that you've been through, he knows the circumstances you're in right now, and He knows what's yet to come, and He promises that He will never leave us, and He will never never forsake us, and His love will continue. Your Father knows that also in Matthew chapter 10. The, the believers were getting ready to, to suffer for their faith. They were going to suffer because of what, what, what they believed and how they lived their lives, and He said, when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. God knows your circumstance, and He's preparing you to overflow into other people's lives. Your life is going to be full of something. You've got 24 hours a day. You sleep a bunch. You eat a little, and then uh, time-wise at least, 
you eat a little, and then you got hours to fill. And you're going to be full of something. Whatever you consume, you're going to be full of that. It can be Jesus. It can be the self, your selfishness. It can be the world. But whatever you're full of is what other people are going to get. Whatever you fill up on, that's what people get. Um, I've used this illustration for many years after, after some youth events that, that I've done, and, and I learned this, this, this trick, and I'll tell you in a second. But when you take a balloon and you fill it up and you pop it, you know what comes out of it, right? Whatever you filled it up with. And so it's, it, you know, you can take a balloon and you can blow it up, and then when you let go of it or pop it, what comes out is air or helium or some other, knock, some other gas or whatever. You can fill it with water. That's more fun. That's more fun. You can fill it with water. And when, you, when, it, when it pops, when it overflows, what comes out? What you put in it, which is water. Or you can take shaving cream, which just for fun, I encourage you to do this. It's a good time. Take some shaving cream, shake it up, fill up that balloon as much as you possibly can, tie it off, throw it in the air on your own property, and watch that thing explode. It's great. But what comes out under pressure is what you put in. And when we feed on the things of God, when we feed on the things of Jesus, our life becomes, like Jesus said, it's full. It's abundant, but it's full of the right things. So Jesus came to give this abundant life. He's given it. Are you getting it? I've come that you can have life. And he's laying it out there saying that you can have this full abundant life. If not, then we need to maybe make some adjustments. Are you living it? Are you exuding it? Because there's so much in you, it just overflows. That's what God has for us. And so Jesus came to give us abundant life, but he also calls us to a sharing life, a life that shares with other people. Matthew, Mark chapter 10, Jesus called them together and said this, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their uh, high officials exercise authority over them. He says, you know, people gain their status and their power, and then they use it to get what they want. Not so with you. Every good thing that God gives you, it's not for you. It's not so you can lord it over somebody and boss people around. It's so that you can lead so that you can impress and you not impress like like oh they think you're awesome but impress the ways of God into their life instead the Bible says whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served no but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many he gave his life as a ransom for many all who would believe can come to him it doesn't say all will he gave his life for everybody but only those who believe come to him, receive that gift of eternal life. But he did say he came to serve everyone, and that is our example. Jesus spent a life that was in service, and there's no better example than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not at once. Service with the smile. He, he served people with enthusiasm. We're all gifted differently. We serve differently. We all do things different. Pastor Bill has, has a lot of great talents, and he works every week uh, diligently studying, making sure he's ready to feed you the Word of God. Most of you are here because, because of his great influence on you, or at least that's a part of it. And he does a great job. He doesn't, <clears throat> he doesn't fix our toilets as, as a general rule. 
He's, he's not above that. If, if it helps the church, he would be the first to tell you, hey, if that's what needs to be done, nobody's here, I will get it done. But we don't want him doing that. We want him preparing and, and being ready and being with the people and doing the things that he's gifted to do. And then uh, we have other people that can, that can do that. The same is true with you. You need to do what you do best and be gifted and not let other people push and, and shove you around. Find out what your gifts are and then serve, serve the Lord and serve the church in those ways. Jesus did the same thing. He just said, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And he got on, on the stick and he, he did those things. Um, he didn't always go where it was easy. He didn't go where it was convenient. He didn't go where the influential people thought he should go. Uh, matter of fact, some people even thought that, that he messed up, you know, sometimes. It's like the, the story of Lazarus, you know, like, oh, he wouldn't have died if you'd have come. Basically saying to Jesus, Jesus, you messed up. You're late. You didn't make it on time. Boo, boo on you, you know, bad on you. Jesus was not late. He, he was following the God's, God the Father's time plan, and he was doing what he needed to do. And, and do you think when, he, when, was, when the Spirit drove him into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan himself and fast for 40 days, 40 days of not food, can you imagine? It's hard to, hard to think about, right? wasn't fun, but he did what the Lord led him to do. And that's what we need to take this attitude of servants. We're, we're full. We're, we're living the full life, and then we're living the serving life to follow Jesus Christ. I read this quote by this guy named Paul Coelho, and the, the world is changed by your example and not your opinion. You can talk about stuff, you know, until you start walking that walk and, and being that example. People aren't always going to see that. So we're, we're, we are, we're in a fishbowl, we're, we're the light of the world. Jesus is the light and we become that light. He, he's commissioned us to be the light of the world. And Jesus knew direction from the Father by spending time with Him. You, 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 can't, you can't be an example to somebody you don't hang out with or they can't see you, and you, you're not going to get the, the things of God if you don't spend time with Him and let Him influence you in that way. And so we serve God in different ways, and, and it's between you and the Lord how you serve, um, but we need all be doing service for the Lord's work. And the service is what people will recognize about you. If you take away how you serve people, the nice things that you do, the, the ways you serve God, what do you have left over? You have something like this, you say, well, you know what? Greg, he really, he really watches TV good. He's a good TV watcher. Oh, man, he can sit in a lawn chair. Have you ever seen anybody sit in a lawn chair quite like Greg? Because he's good at that. And he can go to the beach. You know what? He can put his feet in the sand, and I've never seen anybody put their sand, feet in the sand quite the way. You know, what, what do we have left over if we're not doing service? They are, they are I mean, they're fun things. But in the scheme of life, they're nothing without the service. And that's what it says about us is, is that builds our character and it lets our character shine through. I love God enough. I love people enough to do these things for His work and for you, my brothers and sisters, my neighbors, my friends. And they're going to say things like, she was there for me in my time of need. I picked up the phone and, and she listened. I know she was busy, but she, she listened. He's a person of character and service. And life was service in that moment. 
And when we start to serve, when, when we're beginning our walk and, and we understand we need to be serving God, at first it feels like work. It's like, oh, man, i got to do this, and it feels like work. But the more we grow in the Lord, the less it feels like work, and the more it feels like fun, and the more it feels like joy. If you want the joy of the Lord in, in your life, we need to be uh, living in the Lord, receiving His abundance, and we need to be living in service. And service goes right along with this other next concept that we a full life is a selfless life, and that seems contradictory, but it's not. Here in Mark chapter 8, Jesus called the crowd to him and his disciples, and he said this, anyone who would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save his life. And so Jesus is talking about life in service, and life in denying yourself. I would rather do this, but you know what? I'm going to do this for the honor of God and for the good of other people. And every morning when I wake up, I, I promise you, I'm as selfish as anybody else in the whole entire world. I am. I, 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 have, to, I have to take this verse to heart and say, okay, not what I want to do today, not what I want to accomplish, but God, what do you have for me today? How can we minister? How can we help? And we let other things go when we begin to deny ourselves. So how much self do you see in you? And how much denial do you see in, your, in yourself? Man, I see a lot of self in me. And I'm trying to build up that denial every day. We have to deny. But our self wells up and it's a constant struggle. And we need to keep battling with that. And then the other question is, how much, how much of the, this do other people see in you? Well, he's always doing what he wants to do. She's always doing the things she loves. Is, is, is she in service? Um, many years ago when I was in youth ministry, uh, we, we did a, a musical, and it was called Waiters. And it said every, and basically the theme of the, of the musical was everybody's waiting for something. You know, you're always waiting for the next thing, waiting for the next thing. And that was kind of the theme. And in the middle of, middle of this musical, there was a song, and it goes like this. I want what I want when I want it, and I want what I want right now. I want what I want when I want it, and I don't want to wait, no wait, no, how can't tolerate delay and i'm short on patience hey i want what i want when i want it and i want what i want right now you know and I, it was the, the the musical had this great theme to it about you know putting off yourself but what do all the kids what song did all the kids remember that song what what why did that make you smile because you relate to it. <laughs> you, you totally relate to it. You just want what you want, and you want it right now, and you would like to have it on a silver platter if possible, right? And you want it served with a smile. Don't bring it to me with this kind of negative look on your face. You know, just bless me and be blessed by blessing me and me, 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 me right now. Jesus said just the opposite. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. So here we are in this dilemma. We're all selfish, and we have to do the work to put off ourselves, to change the ingredients on our box, if you will. Jesus was our pattern. He was perfect. We're not going to be perfect, but we continue to strive and grow. We become like him. Other people see us. They want to become like us in some positive way, 
and thus become like the Lord. And that's the process God has used to bring discipleship and bring people to salvation from the very beginning. To know Him and to be like Him. And so how does that happen? First of all, we need to, to start adding those little things to our life. You need to find the ways to add more Jesus to your life. If all you get of Jesus is on a Sunday morning, you're not getting enough Jesus. You are not. You need to have some prayer time. You need to have some contemplation of the Scriptures time regularly throughout the week. You need to be feeding with other, being with other Christians so that they can shape you and mold you and, uh, and, and add these things to your life. You need to pick out things that other people are doing right that are from the Lord and mimic those things, replicate the things in the Scripture, and then whatever you find in the Bible, say, I will obey. And you add these things to your life, and as you add, it pushes out other things. And we need to consciously try to find things to chop off in our life. Maybe your life could be symbolized by a little bonsai tree. Anybody ever grow a bonsai tree in here? Anybody ever try? I always thought it was, oh, you did? You tried? Well, I had a friend that did it, and he said it's really hard work. He said, like, the, you know, just meticulous stuff. But maybe you're like a bonsai tree. You're, like, all trimmed up, and every once in a while, one little leaf gets out of the way, and you take these tiny scissors, and you, like, you scissor off just a little bit and go, my spiritual life's good. And you probably had moments when you thought your life was like that, but mine's more like, here's a, here's a crazy branch. Get the chainsaw. You know, I got to start, oh, I got to hack that off. Oh, it grew back. I got to hack it off again. It's like, it's a constant thing. We're chopping, cutting, redoing, getting the machete out. We're chopping things off. But as we chop things off out of our life and we add the things of Jesus into our life, we end up becoming more like him. There's a picture of me. Just about the time I started ministry. And so I put that up there. Uh, I was looking for one that's even more embarrassing than that, and I couldn't find that particular picture. But this is, this is me at, at our uh, at college. We ju- probably just moved into this apartment, and we were probably about six months away from taking our first ministry. And I put that up there to say this, ask this question, would you hire that guy? <laughs> it's like, no, what, 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 a, what a doofus and a dork. And he's, he's a young guy. He doesn't know very much. And then here's, here's an, another picture. And so the my great style that I had was, you know, old crummy clothes, which uh, I, I still tend to do that some. And it's like, why would anybody hire this guy? Well, you just got to be one step of some, ahead of somebody to help him out. And sometimes, I'm not encouraging you to go backwards, but sometimes if you're too many steps ahead of them, it's hard to relate to people. I've forgotten so, I, I, I know I struggled with that 20 years ago, five years ago, but I don't remember. And so why are teenagers, you know, n- not generally asking 60-plus-year-old people for advice? Because, like, well, they don't know. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they're good, but maybe they don't remember. And so you ask, if you're 16, you ask somebody who's 20, and if you're 20, you ask somebody who's 25. And, and certainly... The farther up the chain you go, the more wise you are, because you can probably count on them, especially if they're spiritual. But what happens is you don't have to be super giant spiritual to influence people. You, you and I probably, and I, maybe, maybe, maybe this is you, but you're probably never going to have the great theological wealth and understanding that our, our senior pastor has. 
I mean, the man studies, he's, he's brilliant, he's intelligent. But it doesn't mean he's the only one that influences, does it? One step ahead is all we need to be an influence, to say, hey, I don't know much, but let me tell you what I learned not to do, teenagers. <laughs> I don't know what to do, but don't do this. Some of the best advice you can ever get is like, man, I don't know what to do, but don't do this. And we share, and we bring people along, and God is in that, and He is using you and using me. Share what you have learned. So if you fill in the blank, not your favorite hobby, but your real things in life, can Jesus take that spot? And I just really want to do the things of God, things of Jesus. That's number one. Doesn't mean you, you hate the other things, but they don't climb, they don't climb up to the same level. In order to embrace the things of Jesus, you have to be in proximity of Jesus. You're not going to become like somebody who's way far away from you. You're going to become like those who are close to you. And so we need to draw close to Jesus. And the same is true if you're going to influence people. You can't be a hermit. You can have your hermit moments. That's all fine. You can, you can be, but you can't stay away from people and complete the task of being the example that God wants us to be. Proximity, we have to be close. We're in this together. We're working it together. And we need to continue to work it in that way. So I challenge you to embrace the life that, that we talked about this morning, the full, the abundant life that comes from knowing and walking with Jesus, a sharing life that ministers, that helps, that looks for opportunities to help other people, and the selfless life where you continue to check yourself at the door and not, not get full of yourself and not be focused here, but focus on the things of God and the full life in Jesus. You can do it. You're not going to get there in one day, but one step at a time, we can all move a little bit closer. Would you pray with me for a moment? God, we thank you for your word and the direction you give us, Lord. And we pray that now as we... Uh, have heard it, that we will respond properly by saying yes to what you have. God, that you'll move us where you want us to be. You'll, you'll cause us to be what we want to be in you and that you will do a work through us. We are grateful that you've made that promise. So, fathers, we take seriously this idea of being an example. We pray that you'll convict and move and convince and soften every heart to make it just what you want it to be as we say yes, as we say yes to what you're saying to us. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.